Good morning, church. Welcome to Palm Sunday. Uh, my name is Pastor Rick Zuniga. Uh, I'm one of the young adults uh, pastors here. And I would like to um, thank um, Maddie and Phil for their worship time. I hope you had a good time. And if you're going to join us uh, through these, uh, I encourage you to follow along in the message as if it was a normal worship service. Later on, I'll be reading uh, the scripture passage. So I want to encourage you and maybe your family who is with you to follow along and to stand and to worship and to stand for the reading of God's word. Okay. So let me start by, um, with a pastoral prayer. So please bow your heads with me. Lord God, we want to come to you today uh, in the midst of such craziness as the COVID-19. But Lord, we know that you're bigger and greater than any virus that could ever interrupt us. Lord, let's, Lord, I know that it has displaced us in many ways from our normal living. But Lord, the only constant that we do truly have is you, our unchanging and so faithful rock that we can lean our lives upon. Lord God, we still confess to you like we always do, like we should always do, confess to you the sins that we have brought against you. So Father God, let's us uh, take a moment of silence just to confess these sins to you right now. Triumphant Lord, we rejoice in your entry into the world and into our lives. Joining with the crowds, we sing your praises and exalt your reign. But even so, our hearts are far from true worship. Our minds are distant from true understanding. We are disappointed with your humility. We are uninspired by your selflessness. Our sin leads us to give you death even though you give us life. Our treachery guides us to war, even though you call us to peace. Help us to reflect in our lives the the glory of your Son and to live faithfully here and now. Have mercy on us, Savior of all. Find us in these forsaken places and forsaken times. Forgive us for what we have done and who we have been. Bring us home again and part in part with us within us a new song of joy and celebration lord take us into yourself lord and continue to speak to us continue to guide us and watch over us and our families lord we pray that you would continue to watch over those who are suffering at this time especially those who perhaps lost their jobs uh, or in financial disarray family and friends who are sick and the many and many people who are frustrated and who are weary and who are fearful during this time of crisis. So I pray, Father God, that you'd be uh, our God even bigger than, greater than before. Lord, that open, we would open our eyes to see truly, truly how amazing you are and to see the works of your grace and mercy in our lives at this point on. Lord, we thank you again for your presence with us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 
Our passage comes from Matthew chapter 21. So if you turn your uh, Bibles there uh, to Matthew chapter 21, 1 through 11. Oh, I didn't even greet us. Good morning on Palm Sunday. Uh, some of us would call this Passion Sunday. For some of us, it's the end of Lent. I guess if you guys did uh, observe Lent, it's, it's almost over. It's over today on Sunday. And for the most of us, this is the beginning of Passion Week, the ending of Passion Week. And uh, at the end of this week is Good Friday, and I hope you turn into our, our um, website on CFC that you guys are probably on right now uh, for our Friday service, Good Friday service. And finally, on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, as, as we also know as Easter Sunday. So please, uh, from your homes, as you are staying safe, to join us during that time. Again, please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, 1 through 11, and read along with me. As you can see, I'm going blind, so my, my, my passages are like really big, so uh, read along with me. I'm reading from the NIV, Matthew chapter 21, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to Zion, daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, a fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road, the crowd that went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Let us be blessed by the reading of God's word. We begin our passage with Jesus. He's approaching this small town on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And he's planning to return into the, uh, Jerusalem, the city that he loves. He assigns a couple of disciples, they're un unnamed and unknown, um, but they're on a prophetic errand for him and immediately obtain a donkey and her colt. These events of this prophetic entry begin to unfold. Most people overlook this section and jump right into the celebration and him entering in Jerusalem. But before we get there, as the disciples go and what they were thinking, they're going to go is like, how does Jesus know that there are going to be two donkeys just laying around tied somewhere? How will they know? It is because Jesus knows that this is the time and this is the moment that Father calls. Jesus knows the moment is all according to his Father's divine plan as he's prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. Let me read that to you, Zechariah 9.9. Jesus greatly... Uh, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous, victorious, lowly, and riding on donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So this was prophesied hundreds of years before this time where Jesus enters into Jerusalem. 
Jesus has been so mysterious up until this time. This last three years, he heals people, he does miraculous signs, and he keeps on telling them, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. But here, as we open up in the, in the book of Matthew, and he's telling disciples, he's declaring that, he says, if anybody has any questions, tell them the Lord needs them. And he's identifying himself as the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now, some people go into, before we go into the, the pop and circumstance of the celebration that is in Jerusalem at the time, let's go back into this, the idea of this donkey. Sometimes the, the donkey just kind of goes unnoticed. But I like the donkey. And, and somewhat, I feel as, I feel kind of connected to the donkey in a way, and I'll tell you why. He says, the Lord Jesus calls him and says, untie them. And these donkeys actually tell, teach us several things that Jesus does for us as well. One thing that the donkeys do is they fulfill a prophecy, as we read in Zechariah. God always keeps his promises. He always fulfills prophecies. So true. Anything that God will promise you and tell you through Scripture, that it will come true. It's not a lie. It is actually truth, and then we should believe it. Jesus reveals to everyone that he is the rightful king of kings and the Lord of lords. As we know through the prophecy that Jesus, the Messiah, will come on a donkey. Now we have these unbridled donkeys. Uh, in the other, in the other um, 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 books of the Bible, the other gospels, uh, the donkeys are set free and they're untouched, so unridden, at least the fowl. And he sets them free. So these unbridled donkeys are now set free to be used by God for a specific purpose, to bring glory to God at the right time and the right place. Can anybody resonate with that? Jesus frees these beasts of burden from their bondage, and he, he liberates them and brings them to himself to be used. In essence, if anyone has a problem with them, uh, by the authority of God and the king, I need them. So what he does is that he tells them, hey, um, I'm the king, I need them, so I will take them. Well, and I read, when I read this, I, it really resonates with me, especially uh, after listening to Pastor David's message last week. The message last week was in the book of Galatians, uh, and it was about walking in the spirit and not the flesh. My community group and I were reflecting upon the struggle that all of us have with, with trusting the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, versus walking in the flesh. But we find out as we discussed and reading through God's Word that the gospel itself frees us uh, from, its, from the burdens of, of the sin, of the flesh. Or at least we hope to, the more we walk into the Spirit. The, the passage comes up here. As many people have been feeling displaced uh, during this season of crisis, this piece of scripture brings comfort to us during this time. Jesus tells us all who have burdens that, we, uh, that would include all of us, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Everyone has some burdens in their life, so why not come to Christ and have him carry what you cannot carry on your, by yourself? Unfortunately, for many of us, especially Asians, we try to carry all the load upon ourselves and try to take care of the things that are going on in our life on our own strength. We try to take upon the whole yoke upon us with no help from Jesus. And if you know what the yoke is, as we talk about beast, and bur- beast of burdens, the yoke is a device that spreads out the burden or the weight of the load so that Jesus wants more than just to help us bear that load. He wants to take it all. He wants to put all our burdens and all our cares and all our frustrations, especially during this time, upon his shoulders. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I feel that that's such a comforting passage, this Matthew chapter 11, that I feel that many of us who are sitting at home right now and and I'm sure many of us are going through difficulties uh, in life. And just even if just the, the change of what's going on, I know that it's, it's problematic sometimes for my family, like knowing that just past, past week, we know that all the schools have been closed down. And my son will be at home most of the time. I know that a lot of people ha- are dependent upon the schools and taking care of kids. And that, that trickles into the workplace and people late, getting laid off. And it just compounded trial after trial, challenge after challenge. How so much freeing it is to know that that burden, that that heavy weight that is upon our shoulders, that we could just place it upon Jesus' mighty, strong shoulders, and he will take it, and it will be almost nothing to him. He wants to take it. It's because he loves us. I hope you guys were encouraged. I was super encouraged by that passage. Okay, back to our passage. Um, let me read um, this passage one more time. 6 through 10. The disciples went again, uh, went as they were instructed to them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed the cloaks on them to sit, for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread the cloaks on, on the road. And while the, the others cut branches from the tree, and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those who followed shouted. And let me just stop there for a second. So we see Jesus entering not on a, on a tank. You know, we expect like, like a conquering king, or a lot of them expected a conquering king. Or even us, I would like to see Jesus on a dragon personally, coming in and saving Jerusalem and saving us all. But he came on a on a donkey, and if you don't know donkeys, and I took look at the pictures, I googled it because somebody told me to Google it. The difference, like here in the United States, we have donkeys, and donkeys are mules. I went to the Grand Canyon once, and I sat on a donkey for a couple of hours as it walked down. I walked down this thing, and it was pretty big. Uh, it wasn't as big as a horse, but it was pretty big, similar to a horse. But I took a picture of a, or I, I looked at a picture of the ones around Jerusalem, and they're smaller much smaller than the ones we have. They're like, so donkeys that I rode were about like this tall, and then uh, the donkeys there were like a lot shorter. So I'm not sure what Jesus rode on at that day. It could have been the, the donkey or it could have been the fowl, but I could, I'm trying to imagine him sitting on the fowl. And the fowl is basically a baby donkey. 
So if you want to see if the donkeys were like this already, how much lower that would have been. And so you imagine this great and conquering king coming on a baby donkey, riding into Jerusalem. And how, a picture of that. Again, this is a fulfillment of prophecy, uh, Jesus coming on a, on a gentle donkey. Jesus takes, and this is the lesson that I learned from this particular part, that Jesus takes this puny, tiny, uh, innocent little donkey, not very impressive animal whatsoever. You looked at it, it would not be something that you would take notice of naturally. But this puny animal, unimpressive, brought the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and brought him to a place of celebration, a place of praise and glorification. This little animal brought in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to a place where he was to be praised. And, and for me, I sometimes feel like that little donkey who my job and maybe my purpose, like this donkey, is to bring Jesus into a place of praise and worship. It's to bring um, people who do maybe not know who Jesus is, that I would bring Jesus to them, that they might know him, they might see him and look and say, that's, that's God, and I want and I want to be with him. And so my encouragement is to you guys, as I feel like the little donkey that can be used for a greater purpose, and it is to bring Jesus to the people who should be celebrating him and bringing him praise and glory. Okay, moving on. Um, as Jesus entered the city, uh, there was said to be over 2 million people in the Jerusalem at this time, 2 million uh, they were already, it was already a religious holiday at the time, and people came all over the area into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and the many feasts that were there. Um, so there was lots and lots of people, and you could imagine they were already kind of riled up because it's a time of celebration. There was lots of food on the gathering, and there was a lot of, you know, dancing and, and, and praising God already. But when people saw Jesus coming, into the city by this little itty-bitty donkey. And that time, you didn't need the, to be an Old Testament scholar to know what this really uh, signifies. If people knew uh, the Zechariah passage, and they've been, this, the Jews especially, maybe not the Gentiles, but the Jews particularly, could already see, wait, I know this from somewhere. There's Jesus, he's the king, and he's coming. And so immediately what they started doing, and, and this is crazy to think, is that they started taking off their clothes and they started taking off their jackets and they started le leaving before him. They started, like, as they saw the path that is into the city, they started taking off the, the clothes off their backs and to lay them before the king. They started cutting down the trees and the, and the palm fronds and they started doing the same as a sign of respect, or a sign of authority, or a sign of all right, here's someone very, very important. I'm going to, and I guess maybe something more familiar to us, laying out the red carpet 
If you guys know the Academy Awards or the Oscars, there's all this red carpets and these very, very important people drive up off the side of, and enter into whatever facility is Kodak Theater or something like that. And the very famous of famous come in walking and smiling and waving to the crowd. But this particular stage, there is nobody else besides Jesus. There is no Brad Pitt. There is no, I don't know, Tom Cruise. There's no Angelo Jolie or anybody, anybody famous these days. I'm not sure. There's nobody else but Jesus. He is center stage, and he is the only one of importance. What is the signification of, of taking off their clothes and relating it before him? People are like, are, are, are trying to invest in him. They're like, okay, oh, this is the king. I, I want to get in goods with him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in him. I'm going to put these things and give him praise and give him glory. And what also some things that they did as well as he was walking in, obviously very slowly because the donkey's itty-bitty walking onto, into the city, um, is that they cut off those palm fronds. Not only did they leave it on the ground, but as we learned from the other Gospels as well, they took it and they started using these palm fronds and started waving them as he cheered, as everybody cheered. These palm fronds, these giant things. Imagine like instead of your hands waving like this, you had a giant palm frond and you're waving it around so for all people to see, maybe get a glimpse, maybe he'll look at you. Similar to the way we use at like, you know, in high school and college and, and academic like places uh, like pom-poms, right? Yay, go, go, Jesus, go, cheer, 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 and things like that. But something that struck out to me is I don't need Jesus to see my hand or this, this palm frond today. I, he doesn't need to see me support him in that way other than to pray for, to him. Today we don't need such things because God can already see us and see our hearts, see our deepest, darkest, to see our thoughts, see our good, our bad, and our uglies. He already has, he ha already has and always will give us his full and undivided, unobscured attention. The way we see him on the red carpet has the only one, he too not only sees us as a corporate body, his church, his bride, but he sees you and he sees me and no one else has, can obscure him. He knows you and he sees you. Again, that's very comforting to know. And as, they, as, they, as he went through the crowds, they screamed and they shouted. And, and it comes from this uh, Psalm 118, 25 to 26. And he says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. And Matthew quotes it. What he actually says in the passage, Hosanna to the son of David. When he says the son of David, they're acknowledging him as the Davidic king, the messianic king. They're acknowledging his authority. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as we, as we found it during his baptism. When Jesus baptized at, at the Jordan River with John the Baptist, this is my son who I am well pleased. He is, he is blessed by God. And the word Hosanna is a cry of the people of Israel, in, in even our cry as well. Hosanna means save us, save us now. I think it's, very, it's a very good passage, especially during our time, that we need a little bit of saving as we speak. We need a lot of saving from ourselves, saving from the evil one constantly putting doubt in our minds, especially when fear creeps in. We know that the coronavirus is, is getting worse and worse. And it's super important now that we cling to him who has all the answers. He can save us from anything. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the crowds refused to see him for who he truly was. But instead, they placed their personal desires on him. Today, I ask you the question, who is Jesus to you? As we ended in the passage. Um, Matthew chapter 21, verse 11. Who is Jesus to you? Who, who is this Jesus? Is he someone who merely satisfies our selfish wants and goals? Or is he our sovereign Lord and master, whom we give up, whom gave up his life to save us from our sin? What it's asking is, is he truly your savior? Is he truly your king? I, tell the, I teach the kids, when I used to teach the kids, I used to say, oh, it's, it's not enough just to say that he's our Savior. Jesus is our well, Lord and Savior, our King. The idea of that Lord is that he is control of, has control of our lives. Yes, he's my Savior, he's my Savior, and it's, it's an amazing thing because we have eternal life with our God. Without that Lord part, that kingship, that authority, that we could just do whatever we want without no ramifications, with no authority over us. But when we truly say that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our King, then as, our, as our, his subjects, as his citizens of his sovereignty, we must obey. And what else is we're going to be obeying? It's his scripture. The things that he commands us to do and to follow. So I want to encourage you, and it's not something that, and this is something that we respond to in love. It's not something that we, that we obey because he'll punish us or this or this or that. God has already saved us as long as we put our faith in him. Our salvation is secure. But when we want to be obedient, when we show us him that we are obedient by following him, we're actually telling him, we love you back and I will love you with my life. So is Jesus truly your king? And to ask yourself that question. In closing, Palm Sunday is the opportunity for us to reflect upon the final week of Jesus, his life, his ministry. Jesus did not deny the image that the crowd expected, this conquering king, he did not deny them that. The fulfillment of the hopes of Israel 
that he would enter as an earthly king destroying the Roman government. Instead, Jesus humbly entered Jerusalem to give his life on the cross, saving mankind from sin and death, saving me and you from sin and death. One day, Jesus will return gloriously as a mighty warrior uh, in battle, riding on that horse, as some people have predicted in Revelation 19. Palm Sunday serves as a preparation, preparation of one's heart for the agony of his passion and the joy of his resurrection. So I ask you guys during this week, continue to be praying, um, to begin preparing your heart and to realize what God has done for you on the cross and how that frees you as we've been um, speaking through Galatians, learning through Galatians, how that freedom frees us to live a life for Jesus. Let me close in prayer. So I pray, Father God, that we would, during especially this Passion Week, to hold dearly to that love. The idea of knowing that the God of heaven and earth, the God of all creation, loves me and loves you more than anything. How will he, how will he not work in us? How will, he, how will he not keep us? Again, Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity to come to you and worship, even though it's video. Um, but we come to you regardless. So, Father God, help us to stay faithful. Help us to stay true. Help us to continue to stay in your and walk in your spirit and in your word and in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this, this uh, Palm Sunday. We pray these things in Jesus' name.